Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right, welcome back to episode 31 of Move the District. Today, I got a very special episode for you, but before we dive in, uh, for, all of you, for all of you listening at home, I have a special request here. If you're, uh, whatever platform you're listening on, please, please, please subscribe, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, whatever it might be, please subscribe and please give us five stars. We're working hard here. Please help us out. Five stars. Appreciate it. Uh, today, moving on now, today, our, uh, our special guest, she's a former multi-sport athlete turned lifetime strength and conditioning coach and personal trainer, and she's the owner of Coach Katie Training. Please welcome Coach Katie Collard. Coach Katie, thank you Hello. for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. This is exciting. It's yeah. your first podcast. This is your first podcast. Yeah. All right. I see. I mean, I see you got the AirPods, so that's a uh, a vet move right there. Some people just kind of yeah. will just talk into the computer and hope it works. And I'd say probably about fifty percent of the time it does. Fifty percent of the time it doesn't. Yeah. So the, the AirPods are a uh, a savvy move. So you're off to a good start. Yeah, that's what the one investment that paid off with COVID was these these AirPods. Oh, know, there you go. Yeah. For all those had, Zoom workouts. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, I noticed that with my own like virtual sessions is like the uh, the AirPods are definitely a nice boost. One, so you can actually hear, but two, yeah, so people can hear you too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had one one guest on here who did her first, it was her first podcast and she had green tea. She had like blankets in the room to like deaden the sound. She got really into it. Um, so, so uh, you have a, a high bar to, to match here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Let's see if I can do it. I'll see if I can do it. <laughs> Pressure. Uh, Pressure. So let's, let's dive into it here a little bit. So now you're former multi-sport athlete growing up. Is that where this whole journey started? Um, yeah. I mean, I actually, back in the day, it all started that I wanted to be a physical therapist. Ah. believe it or not. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to be a physical therapist and, um, I went through physical therapy myself, you know, and really saw the importance of, uh, you know, how it played on my performance. So not just, you know, rehabbing the injury, but how I, it helped my performance in sports. Um, and so when I went to college, I went to university of new England, um, where I did studied exercise science. Um, and I was going through school and I had a wonderful, um, wonderful teacher, two wonderful teachers, um, Shireen and Heath. And they kind of taught me that there's way more to this world of health and wellness than just physical therapy. Right. And there's way more to, um, 
you know, different training approaches and improving performance, right. Then, you know, just the rehab side of things. Um, so I made that shift probably like my junior year after doing like five to 800 hours of physical therapy internships, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I was like, I really, I think that there's more that I want to learn. Um, so then I came down here for grad school and then got my master's in exercise science, um, at GW and then, yeah, the rest is history. There it is. There you go. I love it. It's a very similar journey to what I went through. Cause Mm -hmm. for me growing up, it was the same thing. I went to physical therapy as an athlete. I was injured and I was like, I I was, it was, I guess it was my sophomore year high school. I realized I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player. So I should probably find a different career. And I realized I could work with athletes and help people get back to feeling good and all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's shift. It was always just PT, PT, PT. And then it was after my junior year when I, I got some experience working in the strength and conditioning world with the, uh, with the Yankees. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is different. Exactly. And then I had a really bad PT observing experience. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Uh, maybe PT isn't really for me. And I was like, all right, like I want to be a strength coach. This is cool. There's like this whole nother route. And I ended up deferring PT school for a year so that I could keep doing strength conditioning. And then I ended up going back. I took a year off and then I went back into it, but yeah, it was the same way. And like, yeah, you realize like there's more to it than just like, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be, you know, a physical therapist to make an impact on people's health. Um, you know, And I think it goes with the whole, I I feel like I bring this stat up all the time, but you know, we spend so much money in this country on reactive costs versus proactive costs. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I think that's where we ultimately have people, you know, and I like to say that people like, you know, the strength conditioning coaches of the world, personal trainers of the world are the first line of healthcare in this country, really. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with you a thousand percent. Right. And so going back to like what you're talking about, we're making that shift from like the strength and conditioning world with athletes, you know, as my time spent working with professional athletes and collegiate athletes, it was like, wait, why doesn't the general population have access to this? Right. Like you go into a department and you have strength coaches, PTs, athletic, um, athletic trainers, you know, they all communicate with each other for the best performance of a single human being. And it's like, to do that in the real world, it takes multiple calls. Are people like, do you have insurance? Do you not insurance? Do you do one-on-one? Do you take multiple patients or clients at a time? You know, it's like, it's really hard. So you're right. It's like the first line of healthcare. Um, and I want to make sure that as a strength coach, I'm doing it the right way so that it's actually healthcare, that it's actually preventative, that it's actually proactive as opposed to creating more of a problem. Right. And I mean, I know your background in strength coach, you've probably heard this a million times. Like our number, the number one rule of strength coach is do no harm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, ultimately, you know, if an athlete is injured, they're no, you know, doesn't matter how strong they are or how fast they are. They got to be healthy first. So, you know, that ultimately has to be the first thing. And, you know, it's funny you say that, like, when you take, you take a look at like, you know, probably what you saw at GW, um, you know, something I've seen, I, what I saw with the Yankees was this whole coordinated team to get one person healthy. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, kind of like, that's where the whole idea of the big league, big league treatment came in is because I was like, all right, these guys, especially the high level prospects, major league players are getting the extra attention in the training room, the extra attention in the weight room, the extra swings in batting practice. I'm like, 
how do I bring this to the general public? And that's the, it's like, yeah. the, it's like the same idea where it's like, I want, and like, cause the guys that got that extra attention, the other guys were always like a little, I, don't know, I wouldn't say jealous, but they'd always joke around and be like, Oh, he's big league. He's big league. He's big league. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do I take that big league treatment that those guys get and bring it to everybody else? And it's like, it just makes sense. Like if we're doing this for all these athletes, why can't we bring it for, why can't we bring it to everybody else? Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent. Honestly, like my dream facility would be, I have physical therapists, I'm the strength coach, or maybe there's multiple strength coaches and, you know, possibly the access to some sort of recovery facility. Right. But like you come in as a, as an athlete or as a client, and maybe they have an initial consult with a PT because most people have injuries that are undiagnosed. Most people have issues and then they just create bad habits. Right. You as a physical therapist, write some notes up. And as a strength coach, I can give them a more prescribed plan that not only helps them get stronger as, as an, I don't want to say athlete, but I feel like everybody should train as an athlete. Right. So it's like, you get stronger as an athlete, right. but you're also staying safe. I always say, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. I agree with you a thousand percent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it's interesting. Take me through, like when you were at GW, like what was that coordination like? You know, like, like who were you talking to on a regular basis? So um, I managed about four different teams. Um, and I was lucky that the athletic trainer for my teams was all the same. So right, I didn't have multiple athletic trainers that I had to meet with. Mm-hmm. So it would be like maybe three times a week, I would meet with the athletic trainer and I would go over the different is- issues and injuries that some of the athletes faced. Um, it wasn't like a lot um, because we did a really good job of keeping everybody healthy. Um, but even like the simplest information of like low back pain, right? Like so many people in general public have low back pain, right? But at GW, I was working with the rowers and so many rowers had low back pain because poor mechanics when rowing. Um, and so we would just communicate three times a week. And then from there, I would adjust the strength training program that I had created for those specific athletes so that they could still improve their performance, but they're also either doing some rehab exercises, um, that the athletic trainer might've, you know, written up for me or just avoiding exercises overall that might cause some sort of flare up. Yeah. I mean, it just, yeah. it just makes sense that like everyone's in communication. Whereas yeah, in today's healthcare world, you got to like get someone on the phone, you got to send them an email, mm-hmm. maybe they don't respond to email. And it's like, yeah. it's a whole like process where like, it's like, wouldn't it be nice if we could just get everything under in one, you know, one common like app or, or community or something where like everyone's able to talk to each other and, and uh, work together. Cause I think that makes the most sense for people's healthcare. Cause it's like, it's not just, you know, one doctor or one trainer or one person it's it's, you know it's oftentimes you know if they have they have a gp then they have a pt then they have a trainer then they have you know maybe they have a a cardiologist or maybe they have an orthopedist you know it's like how do we get everyone on the same page to make sure that these people are um you know doing what's best for them essentially yeah and i think that one of the things that um i think one of the things that we need to start doing in the healthcare world is educating our, our our clients and our patients. I think that the, the whole healthcare model has turned into like, I'm a doctor, here's what you should do, as opposed to explaining to that person what it is that the actual problem is and what are other things you could do to help, um, you know, alleviate symptoms or help make you feel better. It's more of like, I'm the doctor, here's what I say. Um, And so I think that there needs to be more of education for that person. So you know, maybe you don't have to sit on the phone with, um, 
some healthcare provider, but I can have a conversation with the, the client or the patient or the athlete, and they can actually tell me what's wrong and they can tell me what they should or shouldn't do. Um, which, you know, is a dream situation, but I think that so many athletes, clients, and patients have very limited knowledge on what is actually wrong with them and how to rehab it themselves, which is, you know, why they end up seeing a physical therapist regularly, as opposed to taking on that rehab program and, and performing it on their own. Yeah. I mean, I think we have a duty to meet our clients, patients, whatever you want to call them where they are, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. well, I'm a doctor, so do this. And I'm sure, you know, you've had conversations with, with, you know, orthopedists and physicians who like, I know I have where they just say like, Oh, well, you can't have them do this. You, you they can't lift their arm overhead for six weeks or, mm -hmm. or they should never squat again. And they should never bend. And it's like, don't tell me, I, I, I am the movement professional here. Like I can help you. I can yeah. you know, help this person, you know, do what needs to be done. And I think, you know, we have a, a cause oftentimes when that happens, you know, say the client wants to get back to doing CrossFit. If we tell them not to do CrossFit, orthopedist says, don't do CrossFit. Guess what? They're probably just going to say, say just going to say, shut up and they're going to do CrossFit. So, you know, we owe it to ourselves to, you know, make it so that they can do whatever it is that they want to do eventually. Yeah. I also think it's just not a realistic approach, right? Like there's no, and I've seen it like from working through multiple physical therapy offices from people who have, you know, spine injuries to people who are very elite athletes. Like there has never been a person that I've been like, there is no way in hell that person will ever be able to do a, B, and C, you know, and it's like, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of consistent effort and energy and a lot and a knowledgeable team. Right. But I don't think I would ever look at somebody and be like, Nope, you, you can never raise your hand overhead again, or Nope, you have no chance of ever squatting again. You know, it's just a matter of like, where do we want to put our, our effort and where do we want to put our energy and where do we want to put our time? You know, and right. I think a lot of doctors kind of like, they see so many people in the day, they do so many things that they're like, Oh, this is going to cause a flare up. So just don't do it. And it's like, yeah. well, well, you can learn how to do it without causing a flare up and then go back to your happy life doing whatever the fuck you want, you know? Right. Right. And it goes back to like that whole, the whole issue of like volume and, and, and the healthcare system where, you know, I, I saw it, you know, in the physical therapy world where you go to a clinic yeah. and it's, you know, four patients to one physical therapist. And it's, you know, every 15 minutes of someone new coming in and you're, end up running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you mm -hmm. end up, you know, just putting out fires all day and not actually making that change that needs to happen, you know, and, and you end up seeing people as a shoulder or a knee and not, you know, as, as Katie or Mike. And, and, and as a result, you know, things slip through the cracks, uh, things get forgotten, things don't get told. Or, and ultimately, you know, how successful are people, you know, and that's, that's the, the big thing where I think there needs to be a focus on the individual. I think it's the, average doctor's appointment in this country is eight minutes long. Jesus. <laughs> eight minutes. And that, you know, and you know, and that's like interaction, like of actual time interacting. I was going to say, it's like, yeah, you're sitting there for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but yeah, I can see that. Wow. Right, yeah. You go there and yeah, there's, there's the, you know, you sit in the waiting room cause they probably double booked you. Then you go in and the nurse, you know, will take your information and then you sit there and then the doctor mm -hmm. comes in and I don't know, Eight minutes. Yeah. I'd say that sounds about right. Usually it's, it's, it's like, all right, you're feeling doing this. All right, all right, great, good. Go to physical therapy, come back in six weeks or, you know, yeah. or, or whatever it is, you know, here, take this script. Great. See you. Uh, you know, let me know if you get better or get worse. You I know? Mean, and, and also, yeah. And like, 
on top of that too, is like you have a lot of people, um, you know, doctors that are sending up physical therapy referrals or sending them to maybe like we're talking about the physical therapy system where they see four or five patients within an hour and they spend really only 20 to 30 minutes working on an individual person. And then they're off in the corner doing their own exercises with supervision from another person. Right. So you're right. It just eliminates the personal, you know, connection and the actual important parts of what rehab actually is. Yeah. And here's another one for you. There was a study done with a thousand people with lower back pain that went to go see their primary care provider. What percent do you think got referred to physical therapy initially? Um, I would say 20, 8%, eight, actually it might've been seven. I forget. It might've been seven. seven. Yeah. Was the rest given just like pain medication? They were given pain medications. They were given concern. You know, they were told to, to rest. They were told to go see a chiropractor. They were told to go see uh, orthopedist imaging and basically anything but physical therapy, 93%. So for me, it's like, well, there's 93% out there that are just falling through the cracks right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they eventually some of them find their way to physical therapy. Uh, but you know, 93% are out there being told to, you know, never deadlift again, never bend over again, don't pick anything heavy, lift with your knees, things, things that, you know, are, you know, really harmful narratives that, that aren't, you know, helping people. So I think that's the idea is like how, you know, those that 93% of people out there that are just like, I just have back pain, you know, and are just, living not 93% of people have back pain, but yeah, I know 93% yeah. of people who went to their primary care doctor for lower back pain are just out there, uh, you know, just living. And it's like, how do we get to those people? Yeah. And I think, um, a lot of people too, I mean, yeah, that's, it just blows my mind. Um, because you know, if you think about it too, the, the way a doctor sees a personal trainer is so different than, or a strength coach is so different than what we actually are. Um, you know, like, as you were talking about before, it's like, we care about the actual human and, you know, I open lines of communication with physical therapists and whoever they're working with to give them the best, best program for them. Right. And, but doctors don't see me as that kind of person. Doctors is like, Oh, you're a personal trainer. Oh, you're a strength coach. You do look fit. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like, cool. But like, this isn't like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so, I've seen, I've been there before. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think that again, it starts with just, you know, I think word of mouth is the best way to get the information out. And I think that it starts with the people that you are in contact with now, the people who are right in front of you. Um, You know, I, I think that, you know, making a difference in the people's lives of the community that you're already in front of and showing them and teaching them and educating them that like, whether they're injured or whether they're healthy, these are things that they can work towards. Uh, And then hopefully, you know, that, that good word spreads and, eventually there's a shift where that 93% isn't giving pain medication, but they're given, you know, reference to a strength coach, a physical therapist, or a facility that has both, you know, like kind of like what we talked about before. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there, there's that also, there's that gap between physical therapy and performance. Is this something Mm -hmm. that you've probably seen before, right? Yeah. I mean, if that's kind of like, I worked a, for a while on bridging that gap, right? Where, so somebody goes to see you, whether they're, uh, whether it's through insurance or not, but say it's through insurance, you only have maybe four to eight visits. Okay. And after those four to eight visits where you only see the physical therapist for about 30 minutes, cause this is under, you know, the whole 
healthcare system, right? Yeah. You don't get a full hour when you're doing it under insurance. You usually get about 30 minutes with somebody. So after those 30 minutes of eight visits, what that's only really four hours of physical therapy and you're expected to go out on your own. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not and, realistic. And, and there's, you know, in those, you know, whatever, four, eight visits, wherever you want to classify it, there's the ultrasound and the clamshell exercises and, and the single leg balance and the leg press. And it's like, is this, you know, especially for someone who, who's an athlete, someone who's active, someone who's strong, like, is this actually helping these people get better? Yeah. Or, <laughs> and then or, you, I say, then no, you, you're expected to walk out of there and be like, all right, go ahead, go, go run, go run a marathon. Yeah. Or like, where are you even feeling the clamshells, right? Are mm -hmm. you feeling them in the places that you're supposed to? Okay. Now let's, let's analyze the rest of your body while you're doing these clamshells, right? Yeah. How's your posture? How's your core? How is everything else that's supposed to be st stabilizing you while you're just moving your legs in a certain position? You know, that's what I realized a lot is like, most of people's injuries come from compensation or come from improper mechanics when they're doing, you know, anything. Um, but most of it's just from improper mechanics from like living your normal life, you know? And so it's so interesting to kind of like, yeah. It, yeah. It you go to, uh, you go to like, you know, pivot physical therapy and you got Johnny, the, the junior at GW, who's, you know, probably hung over from the night before, uh, <laughs> watching you do clamshell exercises. And, and yeah, that's, that's what happens. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was, a uh, I wasn't even in PT school. I was probably a junior, maybe even, yeah, I was a junior in undergrad, um, watching people do their clamshell exercises, watching people do their, you know, um, on the bike, watching them do their single leg balance, you know, with the little ball, throwing it against the trampoline. And it's like, I was not qualified to be administrating exercises to some of these people at right. all. Right. And like, exactly. I, at, at that point, I didn't know enough about form and technique and like glute activation and core activation. I didn't know enough about that to be able to look at someone's form and be like, Oh, turn your toe a little bit this way. You know, like I didn't have that knowledge yet. Granted, I learned a lot from that experience, which led me to where I am, but like, what, <laughs> <laughs> why was I there? Why was I the one in charge of this person's health? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, 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 and that's, you know, it raises the question, you know, of like, of, of, you know, is this actually, are we doing more harm than good? You know? Mm, yeah. And, don't, that's a path I could go down forever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to you here. So, um, you were, you know, you were a strength coach at GW. Did you think you were going to always work in that strength and conditioning world or, or, you know, when did this pivot to the, the fitness side of things? And I, I hate to like put them, you know, divide them no, up in the are. way they are. They are different. Yeah, they are different. They're very different. And I'm trying to connect the two. Right. Um, so I'll be honest with you. I mean, and this is going to get a slightly political, but not. Um, so strength and conditioning world is a really tough world to make it in. Right. Um, it countless internships, very little pay, um, 80 plus work weeks, traveling with the teams that you're working with. Um, you know, your job depends on 17, 18, 19 year old kids. Right. And so if those kids aren't doing things outside of the hour and a half that you work with them, right. Your job is at stake. And so not just that, and then on top of that, being a female in the strength and conditioning industry, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of internships and a lot of payless hours to make your way up in that field in the collegiate realm. Um, 
And so, you know, I was watching some of my friends go through it, um, not just in like the strength coach world, but also the coaching world. And I just felt like there was more of an impact to be had outside of these D1 athletes. You know, they're right. set up, they've got, they've got it made, you know, they've got breakfast, lunch and dinner given to them. You know, they've got access to everybody they could ever have access to, to make sure that they're healthy and they're performing. And that's great. You know, they're elite athletes and, and they deserve it, but why don't, why isn't that knowledge or why isn't that stuff accessible to the average population? Right. So, you know, that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try to go out into the fitness world and try to raise the standard for what a fitness professional should be. Um, yeah. And Which then I, I, I love that. Cause I mean, I, you're, you know, you have your CSCS, your certified strength conditioning mm-hmm. specialist, which I, I don't, te- I feel like I don't see that very often in the fitness world, which I, something, you know, that I have, and I think it's kind of the gold standard when it comes yeah. to, you know, strength conditioning, personal training. And I think it's, you know, something that, you know, I think should be, you know, talked about, or should be more, should be seen more, more commonly, I think in the fitness world. Um, yeah, and, and you have your, your master's in exercise science. So, I mean, mm-hmm. how important are these things do you think in the, the fitness space? Well, you know, I think that, I think it's less about actually having certain certifications and well, you know, I think the CSCS is great. And honestly, if there's anybody who's trying to take themselves seriously or wants to be taken seriously and, and, or also wants to create more opportunity for themselves, I think that the CSCS is a really great way to do it because, you know, the national strength and conditioning association has endless amounts of knowledge. And I think it's a really good well for people to learn from. Um, but you know, all certifications aside, it's like, how willing are people to learn? And I think that that, that's, what's important. A strength and conditioning coach or a fitness professional, what are you willing to learn? It's not just about looking good. It's not just about being this like shredded person or a figure for people to look at. It's like, what knowledge are you bringing to the table and who do you want to learn from? And how do you want to progress your knowledge so that you can continue, you know, growing, learning and, and evolving as a coach? Yeah, I think that's a really cool thing with the strength conditioning world is that it is so open like that. Um, mm-hmm. I know, like you've you've worked with Mike. You went to Mike Boyle's uh, yeah. a, a place, right? And and you know, mm-hmm. guys like him, Eric Cressy, uh, Dave Tate, mm-hmm. more on like the powerlifting side of things. Like you know, those guys are so like, hey, you want to learn from me? I'm here. You know, and yeah. and you know, come train. And I think that's such a a cool aspect of the strength conditioning world where it's kind of like this like family of people who are, you know, kind of like looking out for each other. And, uh, on the flip side though, like, I think you said, you know, in terms of like when you were working at GW and like these long hours, little pay, it's almost like a badge of, uh, you know, badge of honor where it's like, uh, like, you know, Oh, like I, I work 80 hour weeks and I make, you know, $200 a week or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, it's like, it's nothing to be proud of. Have you read the book conscious coaching? by uh yeah Bartholomew yeah yeah he's he's freaking awesome I uh I got to hear him speak last year and uh and his his book is awesome uh definitely recommend it for any fitness Mm -hmm. professional but um you know he got a lot of crap for writing that book because it was you know people in the industry saw it as him selling out to make a buck and he's like why is it a bad thing for me to want to have a nice life for myself and my family? Mm-hmm. Like, like why, why can't I have those things? Why do I have to suffer through these 80 hour weeks? And, uh, and like, just like, makes sense. Like I should be able to, you know, it, it shouldn't be just like this, you know, 
old school like mentality of head down, don't say a word yeah. and just keep grinding. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest issues in the fitness industry is that everybody is so competitive, you know, and it's like, if you know more, share the knowledge, right? Like in, in reality, we're here to make the world a better place and to keep everybody healthy. And like, you're not doing anybody a favor by holding any of that good, great information back. You know, that book specifically talks a lot about like how to become a really good coach outside of just knowing about the body. Right. And like right. that book itself could be great for anybody who's looking to work with individuals in any realm. And, you know, I think that one of the things I loved about working at Mike Boyles is like there were interns of all levels, right? There were interns that were fresh out of high school and there were interns that like, like me who are already a year into grad school. And like, yes, those interns grew in different ways and had different responsibilities and, and learned different things. However, it's like nobody should be held back or restricted from learning and doing what they want to do just because they don't have a certification. However, you should know your limits, right? Like right. how much do you really know? Right. And um, I think that I was very fortunate of having not only um, an internship with Mike Boyle, but my last internship in undergrad was at this tiny gym called live vital in Maine. Um, and the PT's name is David Nope. And he is a physical therapist, strength coach who like, blew my mind, right? Would be like, oh, you got a low back injury, starts from the ankle, works his way all the way up the body. And it's like, here are your, here are your rehab exercises. A few months later, that person's deadlifting 300 pounds. And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it, it, it yeah it's it's funny how that can happen, and, and you get someone yeah like that you know who has such a large knowledge base. Um, you know, it's like I think the CSCS is like, like kind of like a foot in the door kind of thing, where mm -hmm. where you know it gets it gets you acknowledged whether it's you're looking for a job or a business or you know it should be something like that. Um, and then yeah, the rest comes from your ability to connect. Yeah. You know how well can you connect? I think in uh, in the conscious coaching, I think he talks about like how do you, you know, he's, he's doing, he's working with all these, these NFL players. And he's like, how do you, how do you motivate 22 year old millionaires? Like, like, how do you do that? Like, like, yeah. you know, and, and these guys are, you know, making all this money, they got all this talent, you know, they think they're invincible. And uh, like, how do you get them motivated? And, and so, you know, it comes from like connecting with them and, and being able to understand, you know, where they are and motivators and all that stuff. And I think that's the, the biggest thing. And I think, you know, in, in both our realms here is like, I think people, people don't care until they know how much you care. I know that's one of those like cliche sayings, but it, it's, no, true, it's true. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that what I've noticed um, going from the strength coach world to the fitness industry, because it is very, very different. Like you said, you don't want to really classify them as different things because they should be the same, but they're very different. And right. what I've noticed is that there's two types of coaches in the fitness industry world, there's a coach who wants to be seen. And then there's a coach who wants to help. Right. And so there's the people who want the limelight, who want to be the center of attention, who want to have this following behind them. Um, and then you have coaches who that might come second to them. But what comes first is like the impact that they're having on the individual. Um, and I, I've noticed that the people who like having that impact on a person who see you know, improvements and strengthen who, like you said, connect with individuals on a deeper level than just a surface level. Those people seem to be more successful than the ones who just like to have the light shining on them. Exactly. Yeah. I think, 
the, you know, the ability to connect with people and understand where they're coming from and, and what they're going through. I think that ultimately, you know, that's how you create, you know, community really. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, especially in a time like now with COVID, like, like, how do you, how are you, you know, how do you create that community? And I think, you know, part of it is, is taking the time to listen to people and understand, you know, what it is they're, they're going through and, and, and how they feel. And, and, you know, that's how you build that trust where, you know, they're like, all right, maybe this person has my actual best interests in mind. And it's not just to be seen. I always think back to, there's this guy on, uh, on YouTube. Um, maybe you've heard of him. I think his name is Jeff Cavalier. I haven't heard I guess out. he's like a four. I think he's a, he's a PT strength coach kind of guy, but he, he's always in his videos. He's always shirtless. He's always <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. doing like bicep curls and like, it's a lot of like, you know, like misguided, like narratives about how like, Oh, cracking in your, in your knee is bad. Here's how to fix it. And it's like, yeah. And, and yeah. it's just like one of those guys that's like, it's just, it's just to be seen, or I feel like it's just to be seen. And, yeah. you know, like, like, you know, put a shirt on, you know, like we don't need to see your abs, we get it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's the, the idea It's like, uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know the guy. I don't know what he's like. Maybe he is, you know, a great person, but in my mind on the, on the outside here, it seems like, you know, that's like the kind of like, Oh, I'm going to be seen versus uh, you know, someone who's actually connecting with people. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so true. I mean, but also in the fitness world, we have people that just want to be seen, right? So it's like, we have clients that just want to be seen, um, that just want to take the picture and tag their friends. Right. So what I've noticed is the way I coach is like, there is a level, like I said, deeper than deeper than surface level connection that you make with these people that allows them to trust you, like you had said, but then allows them to get vulnerable right? Because Mm -hmm. lifting and pushing yourself to that level is, is a vulnerable moment, right? Like people are seeing you fail and you don't necessarily want to fail to the point of injury, but you do want to fail a little bit so that you can eventually get stronger. Um, and it's been interesting, especially in DC to see how many people are just scared of failing, you know, and it has nothing to do with actual like injury or anything. It's just like, they're actually just scared for other people to see them fail. That's a very DC thing, I think. Yeah, it's very DC. Unresolved feelings from childhood or something of like somewhere there for sure. Uh, For sure. Um, Now, let's talk a little bit more about Coach Katie training. Give us the rundown Mm -hmm. here. What's what's so great about Coach Katie training? Um, Well, you know, it's a lot of what we just talked about where it's a strength and conditioning program that is – that I work on, you know, basically – monthly, right? So kind of progressing through the month, starting from a certain focus and shifting that focus towards the end of the month. Um, And it's based around a push and pull and then an agility day, Um, just because we are confined to the time of like 50 minutes to an hour, um, Mm -hmm. focusing on push where I'm trying to connect the entire front side of the body. So focusing on the anterior chain and the next day working the posterior chain um, and then alternating between those two and then having agility days on Friday. Um, focusing on change of direction, plyometrics, single leg work, um, you know, all that good stuff. Um, and so basically the idea is to one, teach people how to, how to train their body as an entire system working together, as opposed to an isolated muscle group. Right. Um, you know, yes, we might be doing a chest press, right. But where is the force coming from? Where are you feeling it outside of just that you know, chest press motion. Um, and then also incorporating, you know, bear crawls, more challenging functional training 
um, to, you know, just, just create a stronger body as a whole, as opposed to individual parts of the body working strong independently. I liked how you, you had a blog you wrote about uh, why every day should be a total body day. And, and you know, you talked about, you know, not yeah. being, you know, you can't target fat. Um, yeah, that's, that's the truth, right? Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, again, in the fitness industry, there's a lot of bullshit that's thrown around, right? There's a lot of misinformation and people really sell this misinformation in great ways. Like they market it in a very attractive way. Um, And so a lot of people, you know, would come to me and be like, I really want to lose weight here. And you're like, well, you can't really lose weight right there. Or people would say, well, I want to, you know, I want to make my biceps bigger, but I want to make my waist smaller and I want to make my, and you're like, okay, we need to focus (laughs) on a whole different approach, right? Because it's just not a realistic approach, right? Right. So you can't target fat loss, right? You can't focus on specific areas in which you want to lose actual um, fat tissue. However, you know, you can, you program a workout or structure a, a, a training program that facilitates increased heart rate, right? challenging the body, increasing more muscle recruitment, right. To lead to an increased muscle tone, decrease in fat mass. But in reality, you're not going to be able to choose the specific point in which that happens or the specific area in which that happens. Yeah. No, I, I hear that all the time where, you know, people want to focus on a certain part of their body, whether it's their stomach, their arms. I always hear the most common one I always hear is I want Michelle Obama arms. That's the one I always, <laughs> I always hear since like I started working here like five years ago, I was like, it's, it's like, I want Michelle Obama arms. And I was like, it just kept coming up and over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, and it's just one of the things where you, you can't target that one area as much as I wish that was the case. And I could just be mm-hmm. like, Oh, just do a million crunches and you'll have a six pack. It just doesn't, yeah. doesn't happen that way. It would make our job so much easier. So much easier. Like, yeah, do those crunches and get there. I mean, but it's also really hard to shake that mindset for people. So talk about connecting with people and coaching people. It's been really hard to, to tap into people's minds and, you know, kick the mindset of like belly burning exercises and kick the mindset of like, do this for five days a week and you'll get this, you know, it's just not reality. And it's been really hard to teach people that it's not just about a single workout. It's about the systematic approach towards your goal, a systematic approach towards a better life, which will eventually, like we talked about way in the beginning is that you'll see those results that you want, right. But you have to do it in a way that's healthy and sustainable. And then those results will keep coming. Right. The said principle, specific adaptations <laughs> to impose demands. Got it. You know, it's, it's not just one workout. It's not just a week worth of workout. It's, it's a month, it's two months, it's six months, it's a year. That's, that's where the actual results come from. Cause I think people are like, well, I worked out for a week and I should be, you know, I should be good, mm-hmm. you know, or, or I've been doing a lot of pushups, so I should have, you know, great arms. And it's like, doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah. I, wish it did. I mean, yeah. Nope. Don't we all. Yeah. And I like, um, on your, uh, on your, on your Instagram, I think you had a, uh, a quote that said, uh, you know, we have a responsibility as fitness coaches to stop selling the idea that drastic changes in your lifestyle is the best way to achieve a healthy body. I think I love that. Uh, talk a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think like we were talking about before, you know, people want something that's fast. People want something that's quick. And people think that the best way to do that is to cut out all their carbs or to work out seven days a week, right? It's it, Or multiple workouts a day where they're trying to just like burn more calories, burn more calories, burn more calories, burn more calories. In reality, it's like, that's only setting you up for failure, right? And so, you know, we really have to take a step back and realize that like, making drastic changes is not sustainable, right? Like doing anything that is extreme to your routine or your lifestyle is not going to be something that you want to maintain for a very long time, right? The best way for somebody to be successful and to see, to see change and to progress towards their goals, you know, is to make little changes, right? Same thing, this said principle, little systematic approach where you can slowly become that person you want to be, you can slowly make these changes until those small little changes become your way of living. Right. Um, And I think if there's, it's just, you're setting everybody up to be discouraged and to feel bad about themselves. You know, when you are doing these like drastic change goals, or you are, you know, motivating people to work out 12 times a week, you know, you're just setting up people for failure and you're setting people up to feel bad about themselves. And like, that's a, the opposite of what we really want to do. I love it. I think, no, I think that makes a lot of sense where, yeah, it's like, it's like basically you have to go cold Turkey, you know, you have to cut alcohol out. You have to cut, you know, uh, protein out or meat out, you know, you, you can't just, you know, have it one way or the other. It's gotta be, mm-hmm. you know, all of one thing or the other, or you have to work out every day. You know, it, it can't be just from zero to 60. It's gotta be, you know, a process. You can't run a marathon in, you know, in a day it's, it's, it's gotta be a process that builds you up towards the 26.2 miles. And, and so I think that's um, definitely like a, something that's like, you know, whether it's the, you know, the belly burning teas or, mm. or, you know, what, you know, what, what, whatever, whatever it is, those uh, you know, I definitely, I feel like they create that harmful narrative, you know, within the fitness industry of like unrealistic uh, things. Yeah. I mean, also it's like life is supposed to be fun, you know, like, life is supposed to be something that you're going through and you're experiencing things and enjoying things. And like, part of that comes with like eating good food, drinking alcohol. Part of that comes with, you know, sometimes you stay up later than you want to, to do something fun or go to a concert or, you know, pre COVID times. Right. Like I think that like a lot of people think that, you know, one thing or one little thing is bad. In reality, there's so much, so much you can do that outweighs that one little thing that you see as bad and, and just a balanced life in general is going to keep you happy, but also keep you healthy. You know, like if you follow a training program and make these step-by-step changes in your life to become this stronger version, healthier version of yourself, those little things aren't bad. They're fun and you should enjoy them. You know, they shouldn't be something that you take out of your life. Just try to achieve a certain goal. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to have cake at your daughter's birthday, eat the cake. You know, if you want to have a glass of wine on Friday night, have a glass of wine, you know, Mm -hmm. it it shouldn't be all or none. I think, and I think that ultimately is what creates these, you know, kind of flash in the pan, you know, events where it's like, you know, maybe you're able to with, you know, you know, do it for two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I can't do this anymore. Or, you know, whereas, if, you know, if you were working in a smaller, you know, making smaller changes, you know, more uh, long-term changes, you know, it, it's able to last longer and uh, makes it easier to adapt to that kind of lifestyle versus like, you know, switching on the light switch. Yeah. And also it's like, 
it's really hard to see people continuously get discouraged, right? And they blame their self, they blame themselves for that failure, you know, as opposed to just being like, you, why, why did you want to be sober for 30 days? Why did you want to not eat carbs for 30 days? Right? Like you were doing something extreme, which set you up for failure, which then in turn made you feel bad about yourself and made you feel guilty and that you're not successful, you know, and that's really hard for people that are trying to take this really hard, really, you know, challenging journey towards becoming a healthier version of themselves. Any little setback feels really really hard on that person. And like, it's just not necessary. Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it sets them back and then it, it just further continues a cycle mm-hmm. of, of negativity and, Oh, I'm a failure. I, I, I can't do this. I can't lose weight. I can't gain muscle, whatever it is. And, and then it just, you know, just kind of further perpetuates the problem. And yeah. we end up, you know, with, you know, people who thinking they, they can't make these actual changes and people are sad and I don't like sad people. No, people, no, that's not what we want. That's not what we want. Uh, all right. So uh, we are, are getting down here towards the end a little bit. Um, one thing I want to ask you, actually, I love your website. Your website is awesome. Thanks. Who, who, uh, who helped you with your website? So my business partner, um, Burns. Yeah. So my business partner and girlfriend Burns, she did the website. Um, and then her best friend, Brandon, actually created the Coach Katie logo. Um, so yeah, they, they both work, um, in digital marketing and, um, have developed websites in the past. And so they were super willing to help me out on that. And it turned out to be awesome. Yeah. So I I would say it came out really nice. So kudos to them. Um, so now we're in the middle of a global pandemic here. Mm -hmm. Why start a business now? Well, um, (laughs) Uh, life changed for me pretty drastically. Um, I, you know, was let go from cut seven. Um, and that wasn't, I, I didn't see it coming and, um, you know, it's for the best and it, and it was a necessary thing. And I would kind of just out, outgrew the space and was ready for something different. Um, and so after leaving, I, you know, was tired of putting in all this energy and all this time and all this effort and only getting so far, you know, wherever you work as a strength and conditioning coach, there's a ceiling, right? There is a cap. And I felt like I, I just don't want that ceiling to exist anymore. And mm-hmm. I want to be able to continue to, you know, spread my knowledge and educate people on a way that was me, you know, on a way that was fully genuinely hundred percent me. Um, and, you know, it's honestly, there's no option of being indoors. So I didn't need rent space. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, my overhead was the booking system and some equipment. Um, and I had some people who are very happily, you know, helped me do that. And yeah, it just all kind of happened. You know, it started honestly as a walk in the woods with Burns and we were uh-huh. like, here's my goal. And then we looked at each other and we're like, why don't we just do that? <laughs> um, and so I do see, you know, I do see it changing from being just an outdoor strength and conditioning program, <laughs> uh-huh. but, um, you know, I'm really happy with how it started. I'm really happy with the community that it has brought in. Um, and I really think that there's a lot of potential for it to, to grow. Um, but that's not necessarily the goal. Um, so yeah, I, I think that honestly things happened in the pandemic that just opened this door for me. And it was one of those moments where it was like, I either take this opportunity or I continue to work for somebody else. So I decided to just work for myself. 
I love it. Now, was that always the goal or was this a reactionary thing? Um, I mean, I think I always had a dream of opening my own facility and having my own studio and providing that space for people. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it didn't seem realistic for me at the time because, uh, I was just working a lot and, you know, having a space is expensive. The, the, the whole business administrative side of things is not where I thrive. Um, and so it was kind of scary to be like, Oh, let me just take on all that responsibility. Um, so it was always in the back of my mind, uh, but this definitely caught this. It was a reaction and it was definitely a response to what had happened, but right. it feels right. It feels there you right. Go. I like it. Uh, so let's get into a little more personal here. Yeah. Uh, so what? Uh, what's the last book you read? Last book I read. Um, let me look at the title right now. I'm currently reading a book and it is called getting it for you, getting it for you. Oh, all right. It's called power boundaries, power boundaries. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, during 2020, right. Forced to sit alone Mm -hmm. in your thoughts a lot. And I was always this like, yes, person. Like I was always like, Oh yeah, let's do this. Sure. You want me to do this? Yeah. 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 I was always just like taking on all these things. And so I've been doing a lot of self-work and like why I felt like emotionally and physically drained all the time. It was because I was giving my energy towards everybody else in the world and not really keeping any of that energy for myself. Um, so this book is about, you know, how to help like set healthy boundaries for yourself, um, and owning your energy and basically kicking out all toxic relationships, um, and really like setting yourself up towards a better you so you can provide more to other people in a healthier way. Love it. Love it. Yeah. What uh what are you watching on Netflix? What are you streaming these days? I just finished The Flight Attendant, um, oh, okay. which is a pretty cool show. Um I got yes. about two episodes into that and I, I couldn't keep going. I no. just kept getting I just kept getting angry. Yeah, but I mean I, felt I like just she kept like just doing stupid things and I was like, stop. She made a lot of stupid decisions. Yeah. Like you're you're it's definitely one of those things where you're like, mm. But it was like it was good, mindless, mindless show to watch. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. What's uh now you lived in DC for how many years? I think about eight. Okay. So what's one thing you would recommend that everybody has to experience here in DC? Oh shit. That's hard. You can't say like the mall or any of that kind of, you know, basic stuff. No, yeah. Um one thing to experience here in DC, damn. I would say, um, I like live music, right? Uh-huh. So I feel like DC can have a pretty good live music scene. Yeah. Pre-COVID, um, like you know, there's jazz in the garden, but that's pretty basic. That's pretty basic. But right. I'm more so talking about like some of the smaller go-go bands that DC has to offer. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Um, I think that there's a lot of pretty good music in dc um but also i mean i'm going to take it down a food realm here i think that i really love grilled cheeses and i think that people should try stoney's grilled cheese Ooh, grilled cheese wreck all right stoney's yeah i've had stoney's before pretty good yeah pretty good grilled cheese i haven't found one that's better yet so okay all right is there a specific grilled cheese you get or just straight cheese and straight up grilled cheese cheese and bread with tomato um tomato Oh, tomato! I was gonna say tomato sop. 
sauce. I was like, no. With tomato soup, I usually get two grilled cheeses, not going to lie. So okay. Like, All right. Fair enough. I like it. Stonies. All right. Nice. Uh, and then what's the, what's the best thing that's happened to you in the last seven days? Wow. The last seven days. Um, last week. The last week, I honestly, I just started getting some of my merchandise in. So like Ooh. sweatshirts, hats, t-shirts. So that's been pretty exciting. All right. Um, but also I've been working on like an online training program and it's been a really long time since I've done this type of exciting, um, seeing a lot of people who I've worked with in the past be attracted to this online training program and, um, the work that's actually the work that I've been doing to get ready for it has been kind of fun, um, filming some videos and, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's actually been pretty exciting. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Katie, if, People want to connect with you. Where can they find you? How can they find you? Give yourself a shout out here. All right. Um, so the best way to connect with me is um, on Instagram, uh, Katie Collard, Katie underscore Collard, um, or email me at info at katiecollard.com. Um, but we're on the field every morning besides Sunday. So at Marie Reed Field, which is in Adams Morgan, every morning, Besides Sunday, we're there, um, seven and 8 a.m. classes. So if somebody is looking to try it out and doesn't really know how to sign up or doesn't really feel like putting the effort to sign up, it doesn't take much effort. But um, yeah, just show up. It's, it's a really great community. It's honestly, I'm really proud of the people who have come into this, this business, this community, the strength training program. Um, so yeah, I think the best way to find me is katieclar.com, katie underscore collard on Instagram. And then just come check us out. Show up. Just show yeah, up. Yeah, just show it. up. I love it. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Katie, for coming on. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking soon. Well, Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to BigLeaguePerformanceAndRehab.com to learn more. Thanks. And until next time, keep moving, DC.